Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the last episode of Ammonite Movie Night as you know it. Um, we will be taking next week off, and we will be coming back in the middle of a heat wave known only as Ammonite Movie Night. Big, fat, crazy summer in New York. Jared, your reaction? It's going to be hot. Yeah, you're thrilled. I'm very excited. I love this. I love the heat and the sweat dripping off my forehead. Jared's uh, Jared's old catchphrase: "Fuck this heat." <laughs> Excuse you, old um, catchphrase. I just put it away until it becomes appropriate again. That's true. Um, we will be revealing our June lineup for Big Fat Crazy Summer in New York, as well as discussing Stanley Kubrick's Barry Lyndon. But first, Jared, have you been watching anything? By any chance? I've had a very busy week. I have a project that is due at the end of the month, and I've just been crunching on that. I haven't really had the time to settle down and watch a movie. So naturally, I had a friend who had not seen The Batman. And I said, sure, I would love to watch another three-hour movie. That you've already seen? Yes. Funny how how the movie of this night uh, (laughs) falls into that, too. (laughs) Something in the way. I'm going to be very honest, I kind of liked the movie a little less. Well, yeah. Weird to say. Do you like The Long Halloween, Kevo? I love The Long Halloween. I want it known. It was like The Long Halloween, but not as good. It really is. I mean, I thought that, I I will say, I love the movie. Although, will I ever rewatch it remains a mystery. Mm. It is a three and a half hour long feel bad, or it feels three and a half, it's only three. Um, feel bad emo Batman. I love it for that, but I don't know. I feel like I had the same amount of fun. I usually have at other comic book movies where returning to it lessens the impact like this did for you. We're not going to spoil the Batman, but it does also fall apart when you start thinking about a, the big overarching mystery and B the last 25 minutes or so. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny, funny, actually, they took what was so weak about the long Halloween, which is the ending where it's a big unnecessary twist that muddies everything in a very stupid way. Ruins the mystery with information you couldn't have had. Nothing like a Batman Mm -hmm. detective story whose mystery you can't solve until the end because of information you couldn't have had. Mm -hmm. As much as I hate Blue Laser from the Sky, as most people who aren't super fond of superhero movies are, I don't don't like that kind of thing the flooding of gotham as as a as an idea to bring batman into batman into a symbol of hope and all that crap that was very good it was one of the it's probably the first time in a batman movie and i'm not sure how long where you get to see the guy saving and helping people that is, is true yes it has a it has seeds for something really good the bruce wayne character is actually great bruce wayne has character development which is insane. And the Riddler was fun to watch. I did not like Paul Dano's performance on a second run. But it wasn't bad. It just just could have been tighter. Something in a the way. A lot tighter. Yep. I did get a hearty laugh when uh, Bruce Wayne put on his sunglasses after being out of his cave for at least two minutes. That was an amazing scene. My friend scoffed. I cheered. And that was the Batman. Kevo, how about you, man? Have you? What have you been doing? Something in the way. Um. Yeah. So I went to the movies. <laughs> I saw. What did I see? Um. Well, 
I mean, the big the big picture here. We went to see um, me and dear friend of the show and uh, tamer of Boone. Brandon went to see Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness on Saturday afternoon. Oh. Um. Hey, look. I didn't know. I didn't know. Oh no! I'm saying I didn't know you go with uh, with B, my boy Brandon. Your co-host for the The Revenant Only podcast. Mm-hmm. Which is real. Which is real. Very real. Um. How, what'd you think of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of? So I got everything spoiled for me, and we will not reveal anything on this show. But I was pissed. I opened my phone Saturday morning. The movie hadn't even been out a day yet. And I got all this. Like when you open up Google Chrome on mobile, it'll show you like, hey, uh, our creepy robot combed through your data. And these are some news stories we think you might like. Mm. And immediately it was like this cameo and that cameo and this appearance. And here's the mid credits and here's what it meant. And I was just like, that is a huge bummer. Um, because now I know all the secrets. So I stewed in it for a week and then people have been coming out of the woodwork saying they didn't like it. Eh, they're all wrong. This movie rules. It's awesome for some reason. Uh, you'll hate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. You'll unconditionally hate it, but yeah. I had a blast with it. I thought it was really fun. And, um, are the, Ooh, actually question. Are there any good Raimi bits? Yes. All over the movie. And, and the people who say there aren't that many are not looking for them or are ruling things out as MCU stuff. Mm. Um, that's all I can say. Sure. It's complicated. The movie's new. And I don't want to be the hypocrite who says, you know, oh, it's been, you know, it's been two weeks. So you, if you're a real fan, you've you've seen it because that's stupid. I mean, to be fair, all the people who actually care about the spoilers have already gone to see it. I'm not going to say anything, but. I, uh, I, no, I, I disagree. I think right. that we need to keep the sanctity of this and, and here's why. And, and MCU fans, please plug your ears right now. Um, they have nothing left, but the reveals. Oh <laughs> yeah. No, I'll, like oh, yeah. literally else, I will say this. Um, why else do you go to these things other than to see your favorite action figures? It was, it's only more true <laughs> during, during the Eternals, um, mid credits, like they teased a character that no one knew. And no one really understood. It was a very like low level character. I only knew him because I was reading my marvelous year and he was in the Avengers, black Knight, or whoever it is. I don't even know. Um, and then they're teasing all these characters now. And, uh, one may or may not be the mid credits of Dr. Strange. And I'm sitting there in the theater. Like, I don't know who this character is. I barely recognize the actor. Although Google told me who it was a week ago. (laughs) Um, I have no idea why they're there or why this, this thing they're teasing is unknown and unknowable to me. And, uh, Dr. Strange sucks as a character. So I don't want to see more of him except in a team where he is ridiculed. And in this movie, he is ridiculed so much. So I was like, ah, I guess all they have literally is the reveal that they've cast somebody that, you know, uh, cinemablend.com put in a listicle 15 years ago anyway. So I don't know. I, I mean, sorry, that sounds really mean, but I did give this movie four stars on Letterboxd. And you know me with the MCU. Every every movie gets one. I have a feeling I'll come back to this. Hey, even Doctor Strange at the time, Doctor Strange 1, I would have been like three and a half. No way in hell that movie is aged. 
Inception, but boring. I think that the action sequences in Doctor Strange are great, but man, oh man alive. Holy moly, do I not give a shit about Doctor Strange's girlfriend, who it turned out is Rachel McAdams. I completely forgot that she's in this. She showed up and I was like, what is going on here? Hey, maybe they'll, maybe in a couple, maybe in like a decade, they'll do for, uh, they'll do for her what they uh, did for Jane Austen. Pat I, I, I don't think there's any Mrs. Doctor Strange uh, adventure. <laughs> Oh, I don't think Rachel McAdams is a character in the comics, or if she is, she died in 1971 or whatever. They really do need to bring back what's his name, who is Thor. I can never remember his name. He's a little walking stick. I think they should have an entire adventure based around the guy who was once Thor, who picked up the hammer. Do you know what I'm talking about? Are you talking about Beta Ray Bill, the horse, or the nah, walking well, stick? No, well, he should. No, nah, he should be in it. I'm talking about the weird, the the old guy who had a cane and found the found the uh. Found the hammer, and oh, he transforms sure, into sure, Thor. Sure. You know what they're going to do? They should have an entire movie based on that guy. I Donald Blake? There we the go. The original Thor alter ego? Whatever? Yep. They, sh- they should uh, have him. Unfortunately, that character is Doctor Strange. So, <laughs> oh. Doctor Strange and Thor have the exact same alter ego. That's why Thor, uh, that's why they played it straight and got Ken Brana to come and do it. Um, oh, very boringly. Oh, well. Oh, well. Uh, yeah, so that's the MCU minute. You know, your favorite segment, Jared's favorite segment, because it reminds him of all the products that are being released. Um, I'm hungry for product. And you know me again with the MCU, every MCU movie gets at least one positive review. And then God forbid I ever revisit them again. You know what I mean, <laughs> like they all pretty much tie into Austin Powers, but it's like, I know that I'm going to fucking hate them on a second watch. Yeah. All of them. Like they will not survive the month they're released but 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 when they come out they are quite fun and it's fun to see them and you have a good time so sure whatever unless they're eternals and then it's a slow march to hell moving on wild at heart by david lynch 35 millimeter screening at the roxy cinema in tribeca cost me no dollars we're going to cronenberg i'm going to cronenberg double feature on thursday night and uh the screening everything everywhere all at once but i don't you know i i have seen it What's your Cronenberg double feature? Uh, it's I think it's Dead Ringers and Naked Lunch. Nice. I've um, actually been thinking of doing. I was actually thinking on the subject of Cronenberg and double features. Been I was thinking of doing his his uh, Crash and Titane. I'm not going to say the name right. I'm thinking of pairing those two. Yeah, yeah uh-huh. I suppose. I haven't seen Crash. I can't vouch. I, I know. I know what it is. I know what it is. Please. Um. But yeah, um, the Roxy Cinema Friday night had a bunch of really cool stuff. It was Strawberry Mansion, this really cool trippy indie. The directors were there and they did a Q and A. Uh, really fun movie. And then once you kind of figure out what's going on, uh, you're like, okay, it's 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 got a lot of interesting ideas. But then once you it's, solve the puzzle, you can never solve it again. You know what I mean? Yep, that's just a. That's sadly just a thing, I think. That's just the way it is. Uh, but wonderful. Uh, really interesting stuff. Then Wild at Heart. Let's talk about Wild at Heart. I'm going to hear your take on it. Um, I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. I couldn't believe it. It's the horniest movie David Lynch has ever thought of. Let me tell you, it is the most legitimate movie David Lynch has ever thought of. 
It does. It does feel like an actual movie, like more than anything else. But then also has the David Lynch, the extremely loud music, the crazy sound design. Uh, some of those visuals are just like just crazy. But it feels Laura Dern. Laura Dern. It feels very in that period, uh, which was interesting. I wasn't expecting that. It, but yeah, that was, the early '90s had a weird little thing for um, two weirdos defy the world and go out in their car. Yeah, it's true. Uh, true romance almost feels like a riff on this, like directly mm-hmm. almost. Um, Thelma and Louise as well uh, doesn't yeah. feel like a, again. It's not like it's not like they saw Wild at Heart and was like, oh man, let's do it. This with Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis, you know, raising raising Arizona, raising Arizona from before I think before just before this, very similar idea. Yeah, interesting, yes. interesting yeah, trope was, of this hmm. period. And they both have Nick Cage. That is true. Holy shit. Yeah. Wonder what, that'd be interesting to look back and see what was up with that late 80s, early 90s, let's get the hell out of here and defy the world. It might just be a Gen X thing. Probably is. I think it might be, a, you know, a rejection of Reagan era mm. uh, something. And um, I mean, and with George Del- and, and with George H.W. Bush in the uh, White House, it's another four years of Reagan, but not as grandfatherly. So great value Reagan. <laughs> America's Choice Cola. Oh my God. Um, and yeah, and then the next one, I, I really love Wild at Heart. I think it's great. I think it's inevitable on this show. How'd you, which, how'd you like Willem Dafoe's teeth? Oh my God. I wasn't, so I just, I, I. Did you get, were you in the smell zone? Like, were you close to where you could smell the his breath and his teeth wafting out of the screen? I don't think that's how that works. Uh-oh. I should go to a doctor. You should go to a doctor. Going to a doctor. So wait, how do how do you feel about it compared to his other films? Uh, it's up there for me. I mean, oh, I, yeah. I what I have to do is the big, like, rewatch the journey of the whole thing. The only other movie I haven't seen from him at this point, I think, is Elephant Man. Just just cause, not for any particular reason. That'll be interesting. Because what you said about Wild at Heart being his most movie, I have not seen Alpha Man in a while, but I distinctly remember thinking, wow, this is a real movie made by a real human being. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, more than any, right? Although oh, yeah. Dune in its own way is very Dino De Laurentiis of the time. Mm. Um, kind of cocaine fueled, nightmarish, obviously fought over in the editing room kind of vibe. Um, oh, yeah. We but, gotta. We should. Uh, at one point, we should go through Dune and watch the different versions, and just to get a feel for how they're how different they are. Uh, if someone wants to pay me to watch <laughs> David Lynch's Dune more than once, absolutely, absolutely. Um, uh, maybe I'm just maybe I'm just the sick bastard in this room. Then make Oof. that a Kofi bonus. We'll do a Kofi, a Kofi. <laughs> and uh, if you want to listen to that, I'm not doing that for free. That was a hard watch last time. No kidding? Yeah, it's, it's tough. Um, Yeah, so that's Wild at Heart. Awesome movie. Again, uh, inevitable on this show. Uh, sure. Laura Dern, Nicolas Cage, just absolutely incredible. Uh, there are gags about Nicolas Cage's character in Wild at Heart in The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. So it was funny to get that first and then kind of see this. Um, it'll be interesting to come back to Unbearable Weight now. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, yeah, you know, they also showed Friday the 13th Part 4, but wouldn't you know it, you know, it was bedtime for me. Mm-hmm. It was bedtime. I uh, had had enough. <laughs> so I took <laughs> I took uh, 
I took a cab home and I uh, watched Friday the 13th Part 4, which is the second best Friday the 13th movie. What can I say? Hell yeah. But yeah, I mean, other than that, that's it. Those are the biggies. I do want to mention I came inches from seeing Inland Empire in a theater Come when I was on. visiting. I almost did, but I needed to catch that train just because there was a st- thunderstorm that was cutting through. And guess what? The thunderstorm didn't but didn't really hit anything. Oh my god, <laughs> that thunderstorm was nothing on Monday. That was so annoying. That's that's God. That's God laughing. I could have had a nice empty theater to myself, just me, Laura Dern, and the little thing in the corner that keeps looking at me. But nope. It'll have to come to an it'll have to come to me another day. The rabbits are pissed. But that's it for me. So we're going to move on into a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, let's talk about June on Ammonite Movie Night. Mm-hmm. It's a miracle, folks. We have worked it out. Uh, every week of the Big Fat Crazy Summer in New York will have a theme. A lot of these themes will be blank versus blank, but they'll have a theme, okay? The mm-hmm. show is free. Um. Obviously, Jared's birthday, June 3rd, is Toy Story and Space Jam. So, mm-hmm. you know, we'll have Chuck E. Cheese come out and sing a little birthday song and etc. Please don't. Please don't. When I was four, I had a Chuck E. Cheese birthday, and that mouse scared the crap out of me. There are pictures of Mickey. Uh, there's a, there are pictures of Chucky holding me and me bawling my eyes out because, Jesus Christ, look at this thing. Well, thank God, they didn't use, thank God they didn't use Munch. Oh, no. Uh, the next week, June 10th. So, we as announced are doing Ammonite Horror Nights again this October. And of course we'll be halfway to Horror Nights or close enough on June 10th. We'll be doing a preview Pan's Labyrinth and Army of Darkness direct sequels to previous Ammonite movie night episodes. So mm-hmm. how fun is that? I will, I will, I will reclaim my love for Del Toro through Pan's Labyrinth. They're scary. They're sequels, you know, themes. June 17th, we are doing Kings of New York, Abel Ferrara's King of New York, a movie we love unconditionally and unexplainedly. Yes, sir. And the greatest movie of all time, Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. Period. Period. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that one in a dog's age. I'm excited. Period. Mm-hmm. I'll be wrapping up the month with June 24th, Batman 89 versus Batman Forever. Battle for the Cowl is the working title of that episode. <laughs> based on the most memorable comic book storyline possibly of all time. <laughs> and then somewhere in the second half of June, we'll be releasing a bonus episode. The Davy Jones episodes will be bonuses. That'll basically just be like a segment of the show of us talking about the movie. Uh, and for June, it is Terminator 2 Judgment Day. My July 4th tradition celebrated a little early, uh, but no less welcome. I'm excited. Yeah, so that's June. We have, like, it's that good for the rest of the summer. So expect lots of fun and surprises. And uh, we'd be interested to hear from you for any uh, reader mail, your opinion on who is the better Batman. Uh, Maybe you hate Citizen Kane. Send your letters and voicemails to amntpod at gmail.com. That, again, is amntpod at gmail.com. Oh, real quick, before we dive into the main event here. I've been given a notice from old Boone's representation. Oh my goodness. I'm loath to mention it. I am loath. Far be it from me. I'm loath to mention it. We loathe. We loathe. Um, we will be reading old Boone's second 
male on the first episode of Big Fat Crazy Summer in New York. So on the Jared's birthday show, we will be reconciling with old Boone. We will be reading his his mail and we will be listening to his suggestions. Um, does it mean we're doing Joe somebody on the show? No. But it means we will listen to the suggestion of it. Okay? Do you think he made it this far into the recording? I, I better hear about this. For the amount of work I'm about to do editing the previous 20 minutes, he'd better be listening to this show first thing Friday morning is all I have to say about it. You need to, you need to ask for confirmation. You need physical proof. No, photographic proof. Let's go with photographs. <laughs> I want the boon tapes. I want to hear what he has to say. <laughs> Release the boon cut. Oh my God. All right. With that. Cut that. That was awful. Cut that. We're cutting it. <laughs> Thanks, and that's and that's that, you know. We're we're friends here. We are on a quest for peace. And look, we're a couple of white guys looking to fail upward. And what better role model than old Barry Lyndon? Superman for the quest for peace. I was I knew where you're going with that. That was a great, great reference to the title of our of the film we're talking about today. Stanley Kubrick's Barry Lyndon. <laughs> Let me tell you. I picked this, I uh, was like, you know, a bunch of friends had recommended it over and over again. I think this is a Brandon U classic as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've resisted it for a long time, even though I owned it and it was shrink-wrapped until Sunday. And the disc had fallen out of the Blu-ray case in the year I had it. Oh, Although God. it's fine, it's fine. Okay, good. But I'd resisted it for a long time because, you know, frankly, three hours is a long time for a movie, A. Um, I had been led to believe that this was a historical drama of some kind. And I was always looking for the right time, you know? So this movie's fucking great. <laughs> it's uh, my favorite It's my favorite Kubrick movie, but I would not call it his best because uh, saying his best is a bit strange. It's hard. Almost all of them. Um, he invented genres in other films. Did you know Stanley Kubrick invented movies? Actually, if you told me that, I wouldn't be like, you know, I'd probably be like, yeah, yeah, yeah to a degree. Spot the lie, <laughs> spot the lie. So you really enjoyed it? I, man, let me tell you, I was really taken aback and surprised by this movie. Yeah. I find myself laughing out loud anytime I watch any part of this movie, be it, a, be it the full runtime or just clips it's really goddamn funny and just the timing of things i i think for me i'm so thrown off because the movie is so beautifully shot and the costumes are so incredible and everything looks great i am i'm my brain slots this into a more serious thing Mm -hmm. i am not i was not ready to laugh out loud at some of this (laughs) stuff It's one of the great treasures of Kubrick. You never expect to laugh as hard as you do, and then you're, you know, open mouth, ha-ha. The guy who played Bullington, that's the one name I don't have on cue. Leon Vitale. He was wonderful. He, this, this watch, he was my favorite, favorite person out of the whole cast. He was, uh, after this film, he became Kubrick's personal assistant. 
Oh my gosh, you're right. He I was, forgot about that. He was the casting director for the rest of Kubrick's career. He's pretty much his gopher, right? Yeah, pretty much. Supervising film to video transfers as well. Insane. So he was behind the meticulous detail at which um, Kubrick's films were put on video. Makes sense. I mean, when you look at this movie, I don't know if you listened to any extras or watched anything. I, but... I wanted to come into this discussion fresh without knowing anything. Smart. I watched Is a it? little bit. I don't know. <laughs> I kind of wish I did, honestly, but it makes Second, probably for better no, talk. No, no, no. Sec- one? Sure, it makes for better. Makes for better talk, but gotta let it marinate. Gotta let your your impression of the movie. That's and true. Instead of letting... I was watching, watching a little making of thing that criterion put out and they cut put in snippets of an interview with him they did that was done in 1975 into 76 and cooper was talking about how he probably mutilated every art book concerning this period of time just so we had a whole like folders upon folders of reference material so it makes sense that this guy saw all the material kubrick was doing and said i can help you with that you know i can i can help and then just became his personal assistant. Because this movie is meticulous. If you thought space if you thought the interior of the ship of the of the um of the aircraft in uh Doctor Strangelove was a lot. Sure. Or two thousand one, this this movie somehow puts all that to shame. <laughs> Every single thing is looks period accurate, purportedly. And with the amount of research Kubrick did it's just staggering what this guy wanted to do with this movie absolutely crazy the the production was done absolutely in secret over the course of 300 days um but had been kept a secret from everybody the studio uh just threw money at him they didn't care it was supposed to be a napoleon movie but yes. what had happened was, I think a Napoleon biopic had come out and flopped. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Which and is they wild. shelved it. They shelved it, and he had to move on to something else. That was one of his like long-standing things. He always wanted to do a movie on Napoleon, but he never, sadly, never got to it. I think, and then didn't someone else take up the charge, and they tried, and it didn't happen? And now I believe that it's a Ridley Scott picture in the end, which is quite something... I mean, I didn't I, see Last Duel. People like it, but... I do not recall that. Last Duel's very good, but I do not recall Ridley Scott taking on, like, a Napoleon story. It, would, it would, wouldn't surprise me, but I do not recall this at all. Yeah, Ridley Scott is directing for Apple TV+, Plus, Joaquin Phoenix, and there are photos out from the set, and he looks quite good. That's good, but... Anyway... Back to Barry, sorry, back to Barry Lyndon. He, he, so the Napoleon movie is not going to happen, so he scraps that, and mm-hmm. he looks upon a novel. About the biggest goddamn loser. About in, the biggest goddamn loser. The Luck of Barry Lyndon by William Makepeace Thackeray. This is a man who, who uh, fails in circles until he happens to fail straight up and then blows it. I love it. I love how hard he fails. I love how, I love how hard he fails. It's just the best. He's, he's really, really good. You want, you want him to fail because he's such an, 
such kind, he's such an asshole, but you also want him to do the right thing, right? I, how'd you, what'd you think of Ryan O'Neill? I, I love him in this role. He's, he has those watery, sad eyes. Someone love me. He also has the perfect, like, he rides that line so well between like, oh, woe is me. And then mm. ain't I a stinker on a dime? Oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah. good. He does it really well. The ah, uh, the inter- thing I found really interesting about this watch is I really just got to hone in on his on his performance. Him and Bullington are like the two characters I focused on all really heavy. And damn, that Linden Barry Linden is. You don't really see his in his internality a lot. He's especially in the first part. He's defined by everything around him shaping him, and you don't really get to see how he thinks of it. Right. And then part, and then the second part is him shaping the world around him and destroying it. But ah, the parallels between those two, you know, pretty much, ma- pretty much man babies who fail upward, but they come from different standings. I just thought that was so interesting the way they contrast each other so well and how you get so much of bullington's internality in the second part because he just announces his feelings between big sopping sighs and linden who's just kind of stone-faced and even when he's crying it's not very convincing like every emotion he shows is kind of false right uh let's let's spoil a movie that was that existed before we were born, and most people yeah. listening to this were born. Yeah, uh, Wii U, Wii U, Wii U. Maybe go see Barry Lyndon. Um, is Barry Lyndon streaming? It's on Canopy. It so is? If you have a li- That's it? Yeah. If you have a library card, go go get it. You can also rent it for like four bucks on Vudu or whatever. So, uh, it's worth it. It's, it's, it is worth it. I will say, um, we didn't talk about this. Sure. I think that we're just going to not do scores anymore. We talked about it privately. But you should see Barry Lyndon. It's the best. It would be 10 stars. Yeah. Right. Scores are. Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> of course. It's. It's. Uh, well, one, it's Kubrick. Two, it's Barry Lyndon. Of course, it's a 10. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Go see it. Uh, Wii U. Wii U. Wii U. Spoiler alert. The only time he shows an ounce of humanity, he's punished for it. Yes. 10 out of 10. That's what I want. The mo- probably the mo- one of the more cynical things Kubrick has ever put to film because you have to wait three hours for him to be a good person and he's punished. <laughs> he's punished by himself if he were born rich. Pretty much, right? A lot, I, a lot of what I'm probably going to say about these characters are very obvious, but it's just so... I love how they work together. How... You see from the very start, you don't, you have like all these set, all these little pieces that inform the world how, you know, it's a bunch of brutish men in the army and Barry skillfully beats the crap out of one of them. That was a great scene. And that great, big long shot of every single member of the army ensemble watching in Mm -hmm. the, in the square. It was was just brilliant. So good. And so funny. Also a, a shockingly clear and concise fight scene that was a great fight scene it did it was just good i only say shocking because like i expected it to be a bit more messy just because these are two you know doofy half drunk soldiers no that was just good well that was just 
perfect. But you see that, and at the very start, you get a sense of how much of a brute uh, ba- ba- Barry is. Because he does not flinch when he goes up against a soldier, who the captain, who is clearly pissing his pants at the idea of, oh no, I might get shot. Right. And, Bar- uh, and Redmond Barry just sort of, okay, doesn't care. And you see that reflected later on in uh, his son, Brian. You look at, there's a handful of little scenes where you see Brian sort of wa- watching uh, something happen, a fight. And he smirks. Right. Okay. I, 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 I do have a Barry Lyndon story. So sure. I'm watching part two and Julia's there. And um, I had accidentally seen the Wikipedia synopsis. And I knew that Brian got the horse and he was going to get, he's going to get killed. <laughs> he got the horse and then he got the horse. I thought it was going to be a little more graphic than what was shown. What was shown mm. is actually pretty like not horrible. But Julia loves when animals appear on screen in film. <laughs> and I'm looking at this horse like, fuck, 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 no, no. And then it happens. <laughs> and it's perfectly done because it's this, you know, Kubrick really uh, uses his leg room to spend a good 10 minutes on this. Oh, yeah. Probably five, but feels like 10 the buying of the horse, the keeping it a secret. Oh, he's asking about the horse. No, no, no. You know, did you get mm. me a horse? Mm, I can't say. And the second you get that, that tenseness of, of the announcer of the uh, narrator just saying he's destined to, be, destined to be penniless and childless. And then it and then it has him talking about wanting a horse and just, oh, I know what's happening. Then it's just stretched out like taffy. And then... Boom, it's worth the entire sequence for the impact of the sun coming in, uh, coming off the horse. Ugh. The last scene with his parents was actually moving. Like, oh my. So much of this movie is so cold and deliberately, like, restrained. As right. in all, as, you know, stereotypical English, not even English, just aristocracy is. Now, one scene is the real emotional aspect to it. That's true. It's otherwise very... Um realistically bitter i want to say and then cartoonishly crass mm. right like the only reason he became barry linden in the first place is because he went up to <laughs> that amazing scene that closes out part one where mm. barry goes to the what's his name the, baron lind uh, sir charles the, linden mm-hmm, the he gout ridden ha- <laughs> charles linden he has his eyes on mrs L- the lady linden right and he knows that she is his target and they spend a lot of time together. And there's that amazing line where he goes, uh, I would rather be a cuckold than a fool. I shouted, which is <laughs> just, just, ha- just the best. I laughed too hard at that. And then Barry's Ooh. response to just f- just fling, fling, fling insults until Lyndon has a heart attack and insane diarrhea and dies. Uh, audible audible by the way audible you think that has anything to do with how stanley kubrick thought of aristocracy back then and in general i think it has everything to do with it right obviously is that these oh yeah oh uh, yeah basically the entire point of the aristocracy is a bunch of idiots who kiss up to each other until they fail (laughs) upward right like barry basically redefined his life after all this turmoil in the seven years war Mm-hmm. Um, he reinvents his life twice and then fails upwards by killing a guy 
uh, via insult insult triggered diarrhea. <laughs> it's true. Insane life. And that's what it was like. You know what I mean? Like in, in truth, if you could say the right things and be in the right places, there was no cast because mm-hmm. you could become a gentleman. You would have to really screw up a lot in a row. <laughs> like there's only so far you can go before that doesn't mean you feel upward. And that's kind of the whole point of this is a critique of the aristocracy, I think. The the arbitrary nature of these inbred monarchs and these inbred idiots they surround themselves with. Absolutely. You would have to lose one kid in a really preventable horse accident. And I mean crazily preventable. And then you'd have to uh, have the other one's leg amputated in a stupid duel because you're you stupid. Could all... He could, you know, Barrett? Barry Lyndon, he probably could have averted a bit of his fate if he just let Bullington talk and he did not attack this kid. But at the same time, that was that's who he is. He's a brute. He's a violent, weird little man. So he had to beat the crap out of his stepson and ruin any prospect of his future. That's right. Though to be though to be fair, the one scene you, they have of him int- being introduced to the king, they mention, oh yeah, this is Barry Lyndon. He sent soldiers off to the colonies and the king's response was oh well thank you for that oh my god you should ra- I love raise up raise raise up another raise up another army and send yourself over too and that was it amazingly composed shot by kubrick there where barry is just the last in line not even the last in line in frame because there's another guy in front of him right he's yep. second from the front in frame not even the subject of the frame as the king who is also well, he is the focal point of the frame, I suppose, mm-hmm. as he comes down and deigns Barry Lyndon with a wave, right? Mm-hmm. And that was made as a big deal. Am I correct? Like, oh, you're going to get in to see the king and wipes his ass with Barry. Oh, I love even, it. Even do, it even does a little extra, a little extra disrespect, Kubrick does, by having him go to talk to the next guy and actually get a little ways into the conversation. And you see Barry in the background just sort of looking around like, what just happened? Just that little push, just that little extra bit of disrespect. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. And, and yeah. you know, uh, every frame of painting also, right? Not to oh not to God. shift, but speaking of that composition of that shot, that amazing shot where Barry is reclined in total defeat after oh. after Brian is thrown off the horse. Beautiful. That was so beautiful. And, and that's the one where Bur- where um, Bullington comes up to him, yes? That's right. Oh, my gosh. That's that right. That is so Every 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 scene change. Every time it cuts to something else, your jaw hits the floor because it's so unfathomably beautiful. It's tough because like I didn't know when to laugh. I want to watch it again like ASAP because I have to rediscover a lot of the comedy in this film. Because sure. although there were things that I looked at and was like, "Is that funny?" Stuff like uh, early on the first battle, uh, there's that amazing voiceover. Now this is funny. Um. Barry's first taste of battle was only a skirmish against a small rear guard of Frenchmen who occupied an orchard beside a road down which, a few hours later, the English main force would wish to pass. Though this encounter is not recorded in any history books, it is memorable enough for those who took part. Oh, yeah, that that was a, as you could tell from those noises I just made, that got a big laugh out of me. (laughs) So good. Um, anyway, and there was like, there's funny narration all over the film. It's quite funny. But then the next scene after that is like this scene where, or, or 
a next scene after that, you see sure. the Englishman marching, you know, or whatever. You see the regiment marching forward, and they're just getting mowed down as mm-hmm. they continue on, which is funny. It's hilarious because it's because it adheres to that old timey idea of the 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 art of war, the respect in it, and it's they just walk forward, settle themselves into position, and fire. It's one of the reasons why the American colonists won the war over in the over on the over in the colonies. It's because they were guerrilla fighters who popped out, took a shot at, at these English guys who only knew how to stand in a line. What is I'm I'm so sorry. No offense to oh, any so stupid. No offense to any Englishman from nineteen from seventeen uh whatever, from revolutionary era. What a stupid mm. way to wage a war. You oh, fool. Oh, so stupid. Um, but yeah, to be fair, Hey, to be fair, they thought they were going to be with God. So that fair enough, right? Like that's how you could compel people. Mm -hmm. There are a handful of shots where, uh, something will be happening and Kubrick will pull the camera back and you just sort of have to see this stupid thing happening. Right. And it becomes stupider. The, um, the, the first duel where you have a lot of shots of them doing them preparing and then it pulls out and you just see this beautiful beautiful landscape and these very small idiots engaging their frivolous nature and i i i love that that adds to the whole fact that this is a farce this is a big stupid joke (laughs) the 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 fact that he wanted to capture the beauty as well as utilize it to show how stupid these people look is brilliant. And it like, works again, woo! because it is so meticulous because it was so like, mm-hmm. who would have known, right? What an amazing story for the Napoleon movie to just crumble. And then out of the ashes of that, we get this incredible satire of the, the whole period of just mm-hmm. like, look at this, man. <laughs> these people are, these people are dumb. And he's right. And everything they do is stupid. Just a, just a little just a little note. I don't want to read too far into it, but everyone's wearing powdered powdered makeup except for Barry Lyndon and his son. That's interesting. And, yeah. I always took that as a sign of putting on the powdered makeup, you take on the cruel the needless cruelty crass and crass attitude of the aristocracy. His mother puts the uh, makeup on and then she becomes a horrible horrible person. Right. Managing the uh, t- managing everything, but like, despite showing very little of what's happening inside him, he's bald-faced the entire time. He's never not himself. And I think that's just neat. And sa- same with his kid. The kid is going to be just like him. A damn fool. Oh, on, on the subject of the kid, I laughed way too hard when they pulled, when they did the um, the funeral procession. And I looked down and saw the sheep, and then realized, oh, that's the same cart they had him on the birthday. <laughs> Yo, the sheep. How about the sheep? Could we talk about the the hats on the sheep, please? Like, what is this? What is going on? Even the sheep have the stupid hats. Oh, it's so funny. So good. (laughs) Oh, you also only see um the only time you say see Lady Linden show any real emotion is after she at the end she tries to poison herself with a strychnine. Right. She has no makeup on. And it makes sense. It's supposed to be in the morning when she's taken it and she's she's in pain, but it's also the first time she shows real emotion at all. Because the rest of the movie, poor Lady Linden is giving the, like, 30-yard stare. This poor, poor woman. She, like, this is... He has so much... 
Kubrick has so much sympathy for her, even if it's just not outright told. She's just manipulated by first the uh, the first guy, the gout guy who took a big shit as he had a heart attack. <laughs> the gout guy. <laughs> <laughs> and also bat- manipulated by uh, by Barry, obviously. Then it's implied at the very end, oh, she's being manipulated by her son. That's right. And, of course, she's the one who gets the cubic stare. At the very end, she gets that that dead look. We, I... Of pure beauty. I flipped beauty out. Not, Go ahead. I'm rambling. <laughs> Just, I lost mm. my mind at the reveal of the cubic stare. And it was like, oh, shit, it's here. Because, oh. you know... um. The Shining, everyone knows that shot. Jared, when we logged on, was making the face. We all know it. There are a <laughs> couple of candidates in Doctor Strangelove, but usually it's like um, uh, from from under the glasses in disbelief. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, it's an up in a disbelief. I, I don't know if the, he does the stare in it, though. It's um, You do sort of get it when, um, goodness, the commander in charge of the base... Oh, that's right. No, of course it would you be. You get him. the shot. You get the shot straight up. It's when he's intimidating uh, Mansley. That's right. That's right. As it's not the exact. It's not the exact thing, but it's still that extreme angle of oh no, this person's about to lose it. Man. And I think saving it for the saving the cute that patented Kubrick stare for the very end for the only character really worth any sympathy is perfect. The period at the end of the sentence, so good because. The gentry is enough to drive you crazy if you let it. Mm-hmm. Ha-ha. Mm-hmm. Nailed it. Ammonite movie night. Barry Lyndon. Hell. Hell yeah. One last note. 500 guineas. Currency inflation calendar calculator. It's what he got at the end every year. Right, right. 40,300 40, pounds in 2017 money. That's... He was getting... Yeah. It's it's one of those things where you find that out and you realize, oh, wait, he'd be a dumbass for shooting the kid because then he'd still have no money and he'd be he'd be murdering his stepson. He took one. He lost his leg and he gets forty thousand dollars a year. I'd lose both of them for forty thousand a year to do hang out and do nothing. Crazy. (sighs) My God. That last that last shot, by the way, where Mm -hmm. she's signing the annuity. Oof. The fact that we got so into the nitty gritty and the detail of this that Kubrick could end the movie on Lady Linden signing the annuity check. And that had more impact than seeing him leave and cash the annuity check. Yeah, this mm-hmm. is an incredible movie. I just I'm blown away. I'm blown away mm-hmm. by it also because my perception of it was so like like I should have been closer to read on that. I'm looking forward to watching it again and in one piece this time because my fucking Xbox chewed up my Blu-ray at the hour mark like it's been doing on everything lately. So, Oh, that's a pain. Not chewing up, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. uh, somewhere around the hour mark, it just doesn't read right. Um, and that's the only bad thing I have to say. So think about that. Yeah. Craziness. Uh, what is there to say? Uh, absolutely love it. Again, like this is the last week you'll be hearing anything about this from us. Hmm. This is the last time you'll hear anything like this from us. Ten stars. Ten stars. Perfect across the board. It's a great movie. Again, it's also a rental that has tremendous value. 
Mm-hmm. So it's one of my top 20 favorite movies, which is, seems to be a thing I'm saying frequently, but that just shows how much I want to watch my favorite movies. <laughs> it feels 20 feels like things can be low on the list. No order. I see. It's just 20 movies that 20 movies that are my favorite for any reason, you know? Well, that's great. Well, it's an awesome movie, and I can't wait to dig into the, you know, it's two Blu-rays, the Criterion of Barry Lyndon. So I'm excited to oh, dive yeah. into all that stuff. Uh, maybe I'll report on that in a future episode of the show. As you should. I might honestly, I might be watching again next month. Next month, I was talking to someone who was really into costume, costume and set design, and she's like, "Oh, yo, I want to watch that." Like, okay, highly recommended. Great. There's some of the the babies have some of the craziest hats I've ever seen in a movie. Every baby should have a crazy hat. There you go. There you have it. Put it on a put it on a uh, a cross stitch. How about this? I don't have an exact date, but I'm probably gonna watch it with sometime in June. I'll let you know. And we'll talk about it again some other time. Yeah, we'll revisit Barry Lyndon. All that—that's also one. The feather is in my cap, as it were, to revisit Barry Lyndon in the future. So, excellent, very cool. But I have a feeling, you know, hey there, big guy, sun's getting kind of low. <laughs> you know what that means? It's time to sleep. Yes, it is time to sleep. I am so tired. Um. <laughs> It's time for the end of another episode of Ammonite Movie Night. Again, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening within the first few days it's posted. Um, I, I do look at Anchor. I know when you're listening, and I really appreciate that you guys um, love the show and listen to the show and, and talk to us. It's great. means a lot, guys. Um, next week, no show. But in two weeks, come on and slam. And welcome to the jam. Randy Newman sings in two weeks. We go sailing no more boys. Oh my God. I was thinking about that today. How am I going to deal with this? Oh, it's going to be rough. How am I going to deal with this? Oh my God. Enough, enough. Save it for the show. Uh, for, uh, for, uh, I'm Jared and, uh, we are Ammonite Inc. We will talk to you guys in two weeks. Thank you so much. You're not going to ask me to say good night. Say good night, Jared. It was the reign of George III that the above-named personages lived and quarreled, good or bad, handsome or ugly, rich or poor. They are all equal now. See you in two weeks.